John chapter 10. John chapter 10. Now we're in a series, as most of you know, that we began uh, a few weeks or a month or so ago called How to Enjoy Life. How, no, that's not right. How to be happy and enjoy life. Amen. So if you're not happy yet, um, I haven't given up on you. I'm still working on you. I'm going to... Uh, I'm going to preach hard. <laughs> I'm going to teach as best I know how until you smile. And if you don't want to stay long, smile soon. <laughs> Amen. Let's take a moment and pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you so much for this time we have together. We believe that you're at work in our midst, in each and every life. And Father, I ask that you would do a work beyond what I know, beyond my understanding and knowledge. Thank you for what you've given me, but do more than that. Lord, work in people's hearts and lives today. As I speak, I pray that you would speak through me and even beyond what I say to the hearts of every person to meet them right where they're at, to equip and prepare them to be used by you in this coming week and in the years to come. Thank you for help now, for utterance, for boldness, and for revelation knowledge in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, John chapter 10. It says in verse 10, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. So let me reiterate what we've already said. It's the will of God without question, without hesitation, that you be full of God's life. That the quality of life that God exists in be available and be operative in your life. We're not just called to live natural, pathetic, barely make it through life lives. We're called to live an abundant life. A life really is can only be defined by The word life, it comes from the Greek word zoe, which means life in the absolute sense. There's nothing watered down, nothing taken away from uh, from the quality of God Himself in that life. And Jesus said, I came so you would have it. So you would have it in your life. It is His will. The Amplified Bible says it this way. The thief comes only in order to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have and enjoy life. And have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. How many know God is not a cheapskate? And He's not skimping. And He's not just going to little dabble do you. Not just going to give you a little bit just to give you barely enough to make it through. No, God believes in abundance. He's the one who invented running the cup over. Hmm. He's the one who's called by name more than enough, or El Shaddai, right? That's the God we serve, and that's the kind of life He wants us to have. We need to understand, though, that this life, this quality of life, can be enjoyed in our life by losing our natural life and finding our life in Him. The way we do that, of course, is we deny any thoughts, any attitudes, any emotions that are contrary to His Word. Remember, Jesus said in John chapter 6 that the words that I speak unto you are spirit and they are what? Life. Life. 
That means that God's life is contained in His Word. And if I will adjust my thinking to match His Word, adjust my behavior to match His behavior, then that life will be operative in me unhindered and unfettered by natural stuff. Okay, this is entirely possible, but it's not just, let me just say a, say a prayer over you and everything will be perfect from here on out. It's called get in the word. It's called think his thoughts and, and, and allow his principles to govern and rule our lives. Amen. Amen. One thing that I believe that some people are missing is we kind of ended last time uh, sharing this principle, but there the, are the too, too much um, dabbling in the things of God. You know, just, we, we talked about the swimming pool. It's cold. And they, they, they stick their toe in there and they just maybe get a foot in there. But that's the, all the further that some will ever go in the things of God. They're just, they just don't know what it's really like. And they're concerned that, man, if I give my life completely over to Him, man, then what about me? What about what I want? What about, what about, my, what about my needs? What, 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 about, what, what about those things? And because of that, they never really find out what it means to be a Christian. A true Christian, a true child of God. They don't know what that life is about, so they can't even make an accurate judgment. And I'm telling you, I believe, I believe this even by the Spirit of God, what He said to me last night uh, in the service, that a whole lot of people need to just sell out. They need to take a running start or just get over there on the diving board, get away from the steps and jump. Get out there in the air where it's too late. <laughs> you can't change your mind. I'm out here now. I'm either I'm drowning or I'm going to live in him. And you know, he'll always take care of you. Amen. But that's a, it's a risky step unless you're talking about God. <laughs> Because you're throwing it all over on Him. But that's, of course, one of the keys to experiencing this happy and enjoyable life found in the new birth. That spark of life, you can't find it in the world. Man, people all over our world want to be happy. They want to enjoy life. And they're looking for love in all the wrong places. And they're, they're going here and trying this. And some, some go to drugs. And some go to be, being a workaholic. Some go from relationship to relationship. Some, people do all kinds of stuff because they can't, they can't make it work. And I tell you what, it starts with that spark of life that comes when you make Jesus Lord and He comes on the inside of us. And that's the foundation of where we're going. How can a person be happy? Let me give you some points that summarize some of the things we've already said that I won't go in detail and then give you two more things. Number one, recognize the source. We need to remember that the source of our happiness is not in our surroundings, it's not in our environment, it's, it's not in our job or, our, or, or our, our, our financial level or any of those things. The source of our happiness comes from thinking right, from believing right, comes from our focus. And we spent some time talking about those principles, but a person can be happy today. You can, be, you can walk out of here with a smile on your face knowing that everything's wrong at home. Hmm. Not that we don't want to fix things that are wrong at home or wrong on the job or somewhere else. We, we want to get, to, uh, get to work on that kind of stuff. But you can be happy and enjoy life independent of your circumstances. All right. Number two, we, we, we said this to you already, but we uh, need to be content with what we have. There's always something else to get. 
There's also always something more. And God did promise us abundance. Thank God for it. We can expect and believe for it. But we must learn this principle of being content no matter where we're at. And a lot of that, again, has to do with where our contentment is found. Number three, we said this to you and spent some time on it last week, and that is we need to lose our life. Kind of like the swimming pool. We need to lose our life, find something uh, to live for that's bigger and better, and of course that is Jesus. It's one of those reverse principles. Jesus said if you lose your life, you'll find it. But if you're trying to hold on, man, you're going to lose it. And that's what a whole lot of people are doing. Let's talk about number four right now. Here we go. Number four, how can we be happy? Adjust your expectations. Adjust your expectations. I want you to look at John, uh, not John, but Proverbs chapter 13 with me. Proverbs 13. Expectation is something that's good and we should be expecting people. But one of the big problems that people have is their expectations are misguided. And they're expecting certain things from different areas of their life and there is no foundation for that expectation therefore it won't happen therefore they will live a lifelong uh, a life filled with disappointment okay and then you know they'll always feel like something's missing look at Proverbs 13 verse 12 it says hope deferred makes the heart sick but when the desire comes it is a tree of life notice that phrase hope deferred makes the heart sick hope is a word that if you'll look up you'll find it means expectation when you expect something to happen and it doesn't happen it makes your heart sick that's called not enjoying life (laughs) all right or if it's put off and it's delayed that's the word deferred there it takes a long time you know you get sick on the inside not a physical sickness but it makes your heart sick And that's what we want to avoid, living in perpetual disappointments where things we expected them to be one way and they didn't turn out that way. That can be quite frustrating in life. And really, the way this works is our level of expectation compared to our reality will determine uh, the degree of disappointment that we have in life. All right, if your expectation is for 10 and you consistently get five, you are frustrated five. And if that's a continual event in your life, there's a continual degree of frustration and feeling like, "Mm, man, I'm just just not getting what what I intended to get out of this. And so we must do something. We've either got to change what's happening so we can get to ten, and there are some areas that that's the case. You can get to 10, but there are a lot of areas you will never get to 10. And if you leave your expectation to be at that for that particular area, you'll live in a perpetual state of grr, of uh, frustration. Something's missing in my life. And this can be true even of the believer who's got Jesus. They filled that vacuum in their heart with Jesus and they were fulfilled in that way. But then their mentality and their thinking began to go astray and not be based on something solid. And that's the key there. Our our expectations need to be based on something that is solid. Uh, The key is not to remove expectation from our life and say, I just don't expect anything. 
just live a passive life. I, you know, I just don't want to be disappointed, so I'm just going to sit back in my easy chair. And whatever happens, I'll just deal with it. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. You know, that's boring. That's not the life God called us to live. We should be expecting good things to happen, expecting increase and more and a lot of good stuff, but we must analyze our expectations to make sure they are based in reality. And when I'm talking about reality, primarily, primarily I'm talking about this reality. Are they based in the Word of God? And so I want to take a few different examples today of things that we deal with in life, and then hopefully you can uh, uh, reach your own conclusions on other areas that I'm not dealing with, so you can analyze every aspect of your life, identify areas that you find yourself uh, living in disappointment and dissatisfaction, and so we can adjust, again, our beliefs, adjust our expectations um, to match what is solid, okay? Let's talk a little bit about love and marriage, first of all. If you're married or want to be, you're a married wannabe, uh, what do you expect from your marriage? A lot of people find themselves in divorce simply because they expected certain things from marriage and they didn't get it. They thought marriage would be like this and marriage wasn't like that. And they realized, man, I am just not happy with this. And it's, sometimes it's not because it was so bad, but it was so bad in comparison to what they thought it would be. And, that, and they're therefore living a life of disappointment. And many times people will, you know, they'll, they'll label that like we're not in love anymore. And they, they're trying to figure out what's wrong. And they come up with all kinds of uh, answers to figure out why is this just not feeling right? Why is this not the way it's supposed to be? But the question is, what is it supposed to be? And what is your expectation based upon? Sometimes people get insert to certain ages in their life and they realize, mm, man, I'm just, this isn't where I thought. I'm not really liking this too much. And they look at their age and they think, yikes, I'm going to be like, I'm going to have to live with this for another like 50 years. <laughs> and that scares them. And they think, I can't live my life that long, you know, without any kind of fulfillment in this area of my life and so oftentimes that's when they quickly jump out so they can while it's before it's too late find somebody else that will be everything they hoped and dreamed for dreamed for but too often they find out the next person is human too and unless they get to a point where their expectations become based in reality and based in the Word of God, that they'll find themselves in that same situation again. They'll find themselves frustrated and their life is not fulfilled because they're looking in the wrong place and they're expecting wrong things. One, one area that, that people, I think, really miss it in regards to marriage relationships is they base what they expect on some movie they saw. And they saw this great romance. Uh... They saw this, you know, just amazing story. Someone was very creative and putting it together. And this man and woman, they battled through all kinds of stuff. And finally, at the end of the show, they were together. 
And it was beautiful. And it was just a dream. And it was so wonderful. And they thought, oh, that's what I'm going to have. And how many know the movie ended? The credits rolled. (laughs) And then they divorced. (laughs) But again... they base sometimes their image and expectation for marriage on something that's not real. Someone wrote, and they did a good job, and they had trained professional actors on the screen making it look just right. And it painted a picture, and they all of a sudden think, why doesn't a woman think, why doesn't my husband act like that guy? And the wife, you know, and he thinks, why doesn't my wife act like her? Why doesn't he do what she does? And that person's not real. <laughs> huh? And we saw only what they wanted us to see to make us feel good in the movie. There is no marriage that feels good all the time. Are you listening? And here's one of the, one of the uh, I think, enlightening understandings about that if your husband or your wife were supposed to act like that and be like that person on the screen wouldn't you think that the person who is playing the part the actor the actress wouldn't you think that they could do it and you look at so many relationships in hollywood how many know they're a disaster People can't keep their personal lives together, yet on the screen, they got it going on. You would think. I mean, they know the lines. They know the emotion. They know how to feel it. They know how to cry at the right time and laugh at the right time. They know everything to do, and yet they go home and they can't do it. They go home and act like a jerk. Right? But we can't use some movie some television program, uh, some story in a magazine, and, and start putting the expectation of that on our spouses. That's not right. That's not the foundation uh, for what a marriage is built on. And at the same time, people have come out of the world, and they've come into a relationship with God, and they want to establish a Christian marriage. And uh, listen, there are things that people do in the world that you shouldn't do in a Christian marriage. Hmm. And the expectation for that and the lack of that being fulfilled will cause a lot of disappointment. Hmm. And, and you've got to watch out for some of this. You know, people learned things before they came to the Lord. And, and, uh, and I'm just trying to figure out what to say here. We can edit if anything's really bad. <laughs> But I, uh, you know, you know, I, I can remember. That's why we don't have children in the adult service. Thank, thank you, Lord. I can remember as a kid uh, being at friends' houses, Christian families, and kids go places they shouldn't go sometimes, and they snoop, and finding Christian marriages and go and you know snooping around you know the parents' bedroom and stuff. And finding what they keep in their nightstands, different magazines and different kinds of things like that, to help make their sex life work. That's not the way Christians do things. 
That's not what we base our marriages upon. Amen. I think someone probably needed to hear that. And I want you to give that some serious thought and talk to the Lord about that. Amen. But again, expectations, people do certain things in the world and they come into the church, they come into the kingdom of God and uh, they expect things to be just like that or maybe they're out in the world and they're looking at all kinds of that kind of stuff and uh, into uh, you know, pornography and all that and they think that's what my marriage is going to be like. No, it's not. No. no. No, we need to base our expectations again on the Word of God and base them in reality, not on some experience. Husbands, don't compare your wife to a friend's wife. You know, you got friends of your, you know, couples or friends and think, why does my wife act like his wife? Or women do that to their husbands. Why don't you act like so-and-so? You know what, see what he does? See what he does for his wife? Why don't you do that for me? (laughs) Your life is, your marriage is not based upon their marriage. Amen. And then we need to get in the Word of God. I don't want to take too much time on that, but ultimately, you know what? Uh, The way to fix a lot of those things is, wives, find what the Word says to you about how to be a great wife, what your role is and, and what you should do. Husbands, find what the Word says to you. And don't, don't make sure your wife does her part. <laughs> Wives, don't make sure your husband does his part. Do your part. And everything will be okay. <laughs> and fulfillment will be there. And satisfaction will be there. And, uh, and we'll talk about some of that stuff in another message, I believe, at some point in, gr- in greater detail. But let's talk about expectations some more. Again, love and marriage, that's, that's one. What about finances? What do you expect for your finances? This is one of those areas, I think, even in, in churches like ours, we believe in prosperity, and we see very clearly that the Lord has provided and promised us to live in abundance and prosperity, even material prosperity, and prosperity in other areas as well. But sometimes people have misguided expectations in regard to how that prosperity is going to come about and what that, what that exactly means. And some really find themselves disappointed because, hey, you know, they gave 100 bucks in the offering, and by the end of the week they didn't see a uh, hundredfold return on that. And they think, I didn't, you know, I, uh, here I am, I gave money in the offering, and, and, and you know, I'm not, I'm not wealthy beyond my wildest dreams by the end of the week. And that's certainly not the way the Lord said it would happen. Yes, He promised to bless us and so forth, but you remember the principle from Genesis called seed, time, and harvest? Yep. Yeah, how many know that middle word there? Time. time. <laughs> and the Lord does. The, one of the main ways He works in our prosperity is to increase us more and more. More and more. That's another scripture from the Psalms. But uh, it's not all at once. I mean, how many of you have ever seen those documentaries on, on uh, lottery winners? They got it all at once. You know, $100 million. The vast majority of them ruin their lives. They do. Now, if God blesses you quick with a bunch, great. You can probably handle it. Amen. But sometimes people, they just, they don't understand that the way that God set this up is not just some magic wand come out and poof, everything's okay. And, you know, I heard a story one time about a woman who, who was in church service and she gave her last dollar. Literally, she was down to one dollar and she put it in the offering. And, and the, by the way, that's, that's good advice. Sometimes people, their last dollar, they think, oh, i got to go get a cheeseburger. And uh, if you're down to your last, you need to sow. Amen. I know the, the world will, will, will crucify preachers and say, they're taking money from the widow woman. And <laughs> from those who are poor, taking food out of their mouths. Yeah, so they'll survive. Amen. Because giving is key. But that's another message there as well. Uh, 
But this woman gave her last dollar. And by the time she got to the door, someone gave her a hundred dollars. No one knew about it. And she received a hundredfold. Okay, that's true. That's great. And praise God for testimonies like that. But others hear that and they think, okay, I'm going to give a hundred dollars. Time I get to the door, I'm going to have 10,000. I haven't heard many of those stories. I'm not saying it hasn't happened. I'm just saying that's not the norm. Okay, and since someone said, okay, I got my 10000 might as well reinvest. <laughs> right? Put it in there. I'm going to walk out of here with, uh, what? A million. hundredfold. Walk out of here with a million dollars. Well, this is working pretty good. Let's put it back in. Walk out of there with a hundred million. Hmm? And keep going. How many know in a very short period of time, you have all the money in the world? Do the math. It goes really quick. You get really wealthy. I don't really believe that God intended for us to receive a hundredfold return on every gift we give. And I know some might say, well, you just don't have any faith. When you get there and, you, and I see that happening in your life, I'm, gonna li- I'm coming to your class. I'm getting your, your CD series. <laughs> but until that time, I'll do the teaching. <laughs> Amen. Does God want you to prosper? Of course. But are our expectations based in reality? Do, are they based on the Word of God? So what about those scriptures that talk about that? I don't want to teach that now. But I don't believe that, again, that that refers to just every time we tithe and every time we give that we should, uh, we're going to have a hundred full return by the end of the week on that and uh, no i just don't see anyone operating in that anyone not that we base our faith on anyone but it's based on what we understand that the lord was really saying Uh, some have gotten really weird when it comes to giving and finances and people can be manipulative and and greed sets in all of a sudden people see an opportunity you know have you ever been around one of those special offerings and these offerings have a special anointing on them and if you'll give today, don't put it off. You've got to do it now because there's a special anointing on this offering. And if you'll do it now, you're going to have a gazillion dollars by the end of the week. Because God has given me a special anointing for this special offering. Whatever. You know, the one I heard about uh, a while back on TV was... You had to give in multiples of seven. And if you gave an offering in multiple, but not seven dollars, that one didn't work. It had to start at least at seventy-seven dollars, or seven hundred and seventy-seven, or seven thousand seven hundred and seventy-seven. And if you would give in that special seven offering, uh, then I forget you were promised something great. And it was all going to come back to you. And, and you were going to have all this stuff really quick. And, and nonsense. That's, that's called manipulation. Huh? And we need not be gullible. Does God want us to prosper? Yes. Does He want us to give? Yes. But don't be just uh, run over because all of a sudden you see an opportunity. You think, wow, my, st- my, you know, my mutual fund's not doing so well. So I can take it out of there. I'll just do this and this will take care. No, be led by the Spirit. Not led by a fancy speech. Or a special, special anointed offering. Now let me just say, let me just clarify at the same time. Do I believe that God ever moves specifically in a way of giving? Absolutely. Yeah. I've been a part of services where people gave more than they would ever give. And it, they were not manipulated. 
Their arm was not twisted. It was literally a move of God's Spirit. And people became generous and started giving stuff to each other and giving stuff into the church and ministry. And it was God all over the place. That is one of the ways that He moves. Okay, But we need not be uh, just falling for tricks and thinking, you know, and again, people, like I mentioned before, people expect to win the lottery. Stop. Stop expecting to win the lottery. Where, where do you find that promise in the Bible? You're about to be disappointed. Hmm. And by the way, it's a tax on the poor people anyway. So stop acting like a poor person. I remember, again, talking about expectations that are right and are in line. I used to play baseball as a teenager, and that was my favorite sport in those days. And, and uh, one day, I was somewhere in my teens, 15, 16, 17 in there, and, and, uh, and one day I decided I was going to believe God, and I prayed that I would hit four home runs in that coming game. Four. Not three, not two. Four. I was disappointed. <laughs> you were hoping I'd say, and I did it, bless God. <laughs> I was hoping I could say that too. <laughs> but here's the deal. What did I base that on? What scripture did I use? Where did God promise me that? Hmm. I figured, you know, because I'd been able to hit one, certainly I could do that four times it's in the realm of possibility i'll just believe god (laughs) that's not called believing god when you just pull something out of the air and say i'm just going to expect this i'm just going to expect this to happen and sometimes we're grabbing stuff that has no basis or no foundation making that our expectation and our hope and i'm telling you what the reason i'm saying this is because we are setting ourselves up for disappointment Okay, we're going to have that measure of disappointment in our lives because, again, we're just pulling things out of the air instead of basing them in reality. Let's talk about the physical body for a moment. Use that example. What do you expect for your physical body? We know that the Bible tells us that we can expect health. The Lord has promised us health and strength and and to live a long life. Have you ever run into any of those scriptures? Man, they're all over the place. But at the same time, you know what? You're not going to do at 75 what what you did at 25. Because the outward man is what? Perishing. The inward man is renewed day by day, but we live in a fallen world. We live in a sin-filled world, and it wasn't God's intention for it to be like this from the beginning. Our bodies weren't to wear out, but sin entered in, and that's the case, and things are falling, aren't they? (laughs) And things are going downhill. (laughs) And and, and again, what, what should we expect? Should we expect everything to be the same? No, we're setting ourselves up for disappointment. Sometimes people think, well, there's something wrong with me. Well, listen, when someone gets older, if they push their body just like they did when they were younger, they'll probably injure it. And they think, what's wrong with me? Is something wrong with my faith? Some, am I in sin somewhere? No, the outward man is perishing. <laughs> Not anything to do with faith, not anything to do with something wrong with you. It's just a reality of the life we live. It's not going to be that way forever, but as long as we're on the earth, we need to know we can trust God for strength and health even up to the day of our departure from this planet. But in the meantime, uh, realize things turn gray, things wrinkle, 
Don't, don't they? Things are, you know, they don't have as much strength and, and so forth as they did at an, at an earlier time. So I should accept that. I'm not about accepting a curse. I'm not about accepting failure and defeat. But I am about expecting things that I don't have a basis for believing for more. And because it keeps a smile on my face. You shouldn't be disappointed every time you look in the mirror and say, you're old. (laughs) You have to learn to accept certain things and not expect them to be different. Amen. They have surgeries if you want to slow it down. (laughs) Do what you want to do. What about church? What do you expect from church? There are a whole lot of people that are not happy anywhere because their expectation for what a church is to be is totally misguided and it's not based in reality. And they can go from church to church and nothing ever is good enough because their expectation is so high. Some people think that a church is supposed to meet all their needs, but it's not. I thought that was the Lord who was the need meter. And so they find themselves disappointed here and disappointed there. Some have even gotten to the place where if, uh, if church doesn't rise to the level of entertainment as, as uh, the movie theater, then they find disappointment there. Church is not supposed to be like a movie. Hmm. It's not going to move that fast. Now the good, thing, good news about it, you'll see miracles that will be real. And people will get healed and their lives will be changed. And that can have an entertainment quality, I guess. I sure like to see it. (laughs) That's fun. But as far as it's not going to be everything flashy and moving 100 miles an hour that keeps our babyish souls from focusing on one thing for more than 30 seconds. And we live in a time where people have been educated to be that way. And we go see movies and they pour millions and millions of dollars into those things. So we're constantly, and we're amazed by everything going on and all the effects. Then we come into church and we sit and listen to a guy talk. (laughs) And we think, oh, this this is not exciting enough. What is your expectation? This is not a movie. Not supposed to be. Not supposed, entertainment you know, I'm not against it, but it's not the reason we gather. It's not the reason we, we come together. And I know there are churches today, there are some larger churches in different parts of the country that have huge multimedia type presentations. And I'm not against that. If that wins people to the Lord, and I think it can, because it's a draw and it's a tool, and, and they do all their services that way, fine. But if a person needs that to be able to receive from God, I can tell you they're staying in an immature position in their life. They're not really going to grow, okay? Because really sitting down, reading your Bible, there's usually not a whole lot of pizzazz. Usually not a whole lot of fireworks. And uh, it's just called, I'm reading my Bible. I am feeding myself the Word of God. Not a lot of excitement generally. Okay, but a mature person recognizes what to expect out of that. I expect life, I expect to be fed, I expect to understand, but I'm not expecting Rambo. Huh? I'm not, I'm not. Uh, I'm not not expecting the latest thing and uh, to come jumping out. And every time I read, I see five angels and they dance for me and and uh, and, and all this stuff to keep me interested. 
man, if we have trouble being interested in the things of God, we're expecting things in the, in the wrong, uh, wrong area. Okay? We should expect what the Lord tells us to expect. Praise the Lord. Some people expect a, a church to be perfect in every way. There aren't any of those. And if you find one, you better stay away because you're going to ruin it. <laughs> there are no perfect churches. Some people think uh, their expectation is that their pastor will never say or do something they disagree with. Man, what la-la land is that? Show me two people that agree on everything. Huh? How many know we focus on the majors? And we need to find agreement on, on, on most of the, on the major things. But there is something that God instituted in the church that would keep us together. It's called love and forgiveness. And we understand that we are all, including the pastor and staff, we are a work in progress. Okay, and we're not expecting everyone to be perfect and say everything perfect and do everything right before we'll jump on board. Man, what a pathetic person that is. I don't want them to be in the church. They're just going to cause problems anyway. They'll point out everything they disagree with. You, I don't agree with that. Who cares? I mean, shut up. I mean, if someone's literally inquiring, they want to discuss and learn, that's fine. You know, we can talk, but... When, when someone just wants to be annoying and just disagree and think, why isn't it like this? It's just not. Huh? And you might find another place that they do that in the way that you like, but they'll do something else that you don't like. And if everything's really bad, you know, you could start your own. See how much work that is. <laughs> Understand again, our expectation of church, what's it supposed to be like? Sometimes people have been to a special event, man camp or, or a, a, you know, a seminar or a convention somewhere and they come back and think church is supposed to be just like that. Well, it's not. It's not. That's one event. That's one thing. It's one area of ministry. You know, church is not an, ev- an evangelism uh, type thing. Evangelism is a part of the church, but it's, this is not an evangelistic center, not a teaching center, even though we do a lot of teaching and we evangelize. It's a church. There are many aspects to that. In fact, I'm doing a series on Wednesday nights on that very subject so we know what it's all about. But uh, people expect certain things that they've seen in the past, and no, God moves in various ways, and we need to recognize that if our expectation is for something just to be a certain way, we're going to find disappointments in that i've i've seen and and know people who got saved in a church had tremendous experience growing up in a church i mean not physically but growing up spiritually in a church and uh and god just did tremendous things and they thought the pastor was you know the cat's meow and worship was the best and everything was just the greatest but then through some circumstances they moved to a different state and they tried to get involved in another church but were finding themselves frustrated all the time because they always laid it up next to that church that changed their life. You may have had your life changed at a 
at another church. But now you're here. What are you going to do? Because this church will probably never match up in your eyes to that other one. You've got to say, okay, what should I genuinely expect from the local church? What does the Lord say in His Word about what I'm to get? And stop measuring it by something else that is sure to disappoint every time. Amen. Now, if your life has been changed in this church, you can't go anywhere else. Because <laughs> no one does it quite as good. What about friendships? What do, what do you expect from your friends? What do you expect out of relationships, out of friendships? Uh, sometimes people are always expecting others to measure up to some ideal in their mind. And I, I would just encourage you this way. When it comes to other people, don't expect them to do anything for you. So many times when they do, I, you expect a person to act a certain way or do certain things for you. When they do it? You're hardly even grateful. It's just, oh, yeah, good, I expected you to do that. Instead, if you measure back your expectations, and really in these relationships, just don't expect anything. Just don't expect anyone to do anything for you. When they do, how many know you're glad? And you're thankful. And you, ne- you don't have to live ticked off that someone didn't act like the way you thought they should. Or do this for you like you thought they would do something for you. Now, if they tell you, of course, you take them at their word. and You do expect them to be people of their word. But, but beyond that, you don't expect them to act a certain way and do certain things for you. That's sure to disappoint over and over again. Just be glad and feel blessed when you have friends and you have relationships and they do something for you. But don't, don't put demands on them. If you're going to be my friend, you've got to do this. See ya. <laughs> I'll be someone else's friend who just likes me. Who'll just be my friend and I don't have to perform for them. I don't have to do a magic show to keep them in my life. You could talk about jobs, all kinds of different areas of life. And I encourage you to give some, give some time to it and think about it. What do you expect? Especially if you find yourself disappointed or not liking what you're doing and what's happening. But if you find yourself constantly being disappointed, analyze your expectations. All right. All this said, it's not to say that we're never going to experience disappointment. You can't control everyone and everything around you. And we must learn to deal with that. And uh, let's move on to the fifth thing. I want to close, end with this one. This is a little bit shorter point. But turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10 with me. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Here's another thing that will help us to be happy. Enjoy our lives. Number five, avoid comparison. Number five, avoid comparison. Too many times people are comparing themselves constantly with others around them. And comparison is always based on insecurity. It'll only produce pride or inferiority. You compare yourself with someone else and they think, you know, you think, I'm better than them. I'm superior to them. And you've got a chip on your shoulder. Or they're better than you. And you feel inferior. I'm going to tell you whatever you do, the world is big enough. There's somebody better, and there's somebody worse. <laughs> Leave them alone. Leave yourself alone. 
Don't put the pressure on yourself and, and constantly compare everything you do, whether it's your job, whether it's, you know, playing an instrument, whatever you do. Don't compare it to everybody else. Just do the best that you can do. Be the best that you are. Look, look at this scripture in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 12. Apostle Paul writing here said, For we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves. But they, measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves, are really smart. Is that what it said? No, it said they are not wise. They are not wise to continually compare themselves with each other. And that's one of the areas we need to watch out for. Go, go back to John 20. Left turn. John chapter 20. If you've got a Bible like mine, it's page 961. John chapter 20. Here we see a couple of guys who did a whole lot of comparing. A whole lot of competing. This is right in the middle of the most amazing events in, in human history. Look at this. John 20, verse 1. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the tomb had, uh, saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. What are we talking about here? The resurrection. I mean, is this important? Is this a pretty important chapter in the Bible? Man, this is it. Everything hinges on this. Where we're at today is because of this. Verse 2, then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved. Now, who's that? That's John. John is the writer of this book. He never uses his name. He calls himself the other guy. The other disciple or the disciple that Jesus loved. Okay. So Simon, she ran and told Simon and the other guy. They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. Peter therefore went out and the other guy, the other disciple, and were going to the tomb. So they both ran together and the other disciple outran Peter. And came to the tomb first. John is recording here the most important event in history. Given us revelation. Yet he made sure that he included the information that he is faster than Peter. Yes, Jesus is raised from the dead and all that. But I beat Peter to the tomb. And I want everyone to know throughout all of eternity, Peter's slow. This is coming from the apostles. Foundation of the church. <laughs> Amazing. If you read on a little bit further, you find out he even mentions it again. Verse 6, then Peter came following him and went into the tomb because he stopped and he came up to the tomb and looked in, got there first. Peter just ran right in. He's wanting you to know. Peter doesn't have any kind of etiquette. He doesn't know about checking out tombs. He just, he just rushed right in there. He included all this information. And uh, I find it interesting. Um, you know, John is quite a different gospel than uh, 
Uh, that almost sounds bad, a different gospel. It's the same gospel. What The items he recorded in his account were quite different from Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And uh, the book of John, in fact, he, he, it's interesting some of the things that he left out in his account of telling the story of Jesus. Uh, there were some things that happened, like, for example, when, when Jesus gave John and his brother a nickname, he called them the... Uh, he called them the he called them Boanerges. I always forget how to pronounce that. Boanerges, which meant sons of thunder. It, it was a term that had the connotation of noise and commotion. <laughs> Yet he didn't record that in his book. Another time, uh, he stopped some other people from casting out demons in the name of Jesus. He said because they didn't follow us. He told the Lord, he said, so we stopped him. And Jesus said, don't do that. He corrected him for having that attitude of exclusivity and superiority. But he didn't write about that either. (laughs) You know, he didn't write about the the numerous arguments that they had uh, amongst the disciples and how he and James, his brother, took Jesus aside privately one time to talk to him about their place in the kingdom and how they wanted top spot. He didn't include that in there either. And uh, even though even the one time in the Samaritan village where uh, John asked Jesus, he said, you want us to call down fire from heaven on them? <laughs> and Jesus, said, you don't know what spirit you're of. He didn't put any of that in there. But it's interesting, the book of Mark uh, that does have a lot of those things. Um, scholars will tell you that it's um, understood that Mark got much of his information from Peter. <laughs> and it had all that stuff in there. <laughs> And so we got Peter and John, they just kind of got this thing going between them where they're comparing themselves. And the good news is you read on into the book of Acts, they work together very nicely and they grow up and they entered the gate beautiful there in Acts chapter 3 and got the guy healed and and, uh, this did some tremendous things. But they had at least a point in their life where they were big time in the comparison game. And that doesn't help. That doesn't make any sense. In fact, we'll get Jesus' words on that in closing here in John 21. John 21, Jesus had been talking to Peter about his life and what was going to happen and about what he was supposed to do, gave him a word, uh, a word of prophecy. And then when that was done in verse 20, then Peter turning around saw the other guy, the disciple whom Jesus loved following, who also had leaned on his breast at the supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? Peter seeing him said to Jesus, but Lord, what about this man? He got a word from Jesus about his life, and he's immediately thinking about John. Well, what about him? What do you want him to do? Is he going to be, is he going to suffer? <laughs> now, I added that part. Well, you think, I'm not pulling it out of the bloop. Some of the prophecy concerning Peter uh, was that at the end of his life, he was not going to go where he wanted to go. And so there was going to be some persecution and so forth. Uh, but, look, but look what Jesus said in verse 22. Jesus said to him, If I will that he remains till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Look at that answer. He didn't say, oh, well, John, I've got something special for him. And it's a really, no. He said, Peter, mind your own business. Do what I've called you to do. Don't worry about him. I'll take care of him. I'll assign him to some stuff. But you do the will of God for your life. 
And I believe that is still the heart sentiment of God today concerning us. We need not be looking at all of each other saying, what about them compared to me? And what about this person? Listen, we need different people, different gifts, different personality, different anointing, different things that really drive them. And we operate together in unity and in harmony, working together. We don't all have to be the same, not supposed to be in that regard. So what should we do? Focus on what God has given us. Keep our attention on what can I do, what can I do well, what can, how can God use me. And if God uses someone that seems to be much more or much greater, the only thing we should think is praise God. We're on the same team. Hmm. We're all coming out of this with a ring, championship ring. We're all coming out of this on top. People will play different roles. How many know on a football team, oftentimes a quarterback or a running back or a receiver, they get a huge amount of credit when a team does well. They get all the glory, they get the spotlight, they get the MVP awards, they get all this kind of stuff. But how many know, oftentimes, it was uh, the guy on the line. It was a tight end. It was a, it was a defensive back. It was someone else. And they played a game that would that made the other guy's role possible. What happens at the end? They're all champions. They're all winners. Focus on your role. Focus on your, your part. Amen. Amen. And God wants us to be happy. And this is key to living this happy and enjoyable life. Father, in the name of Jesus, we do honor you, bless you, and thank you tonight. Thank you today for your work in our lives. We believe that you're lifting us up, taking us higher, moving us into realms of greater glory. But we can be used by you. And Lord, we can have a smile on our face all the way through, all the way to the end. And enjoy the time that we have here on the earth. Thank you for leading us, directing our steps, and helping us to think in line with your word. For your words are spirit, and they are life. And thank you for lifting us up, adding life to our lives so we can bring life to the lives of others all around us. Lord, you're doing an amazing thing. We acknowledge you today in all of our ways. We acknowledge you in our finances. We acknowledge you in our physical bodies, in our health. We acknowledge you as the source and the director of our steps. And Lord, we believe that you're leading and guiding, directing us in everything we do. For this we give all thanks, all praise to you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We give you the praise. We give you the glory. We give you the honor. Lord, I do pray for those today who've come that have never been saved.